Hi, I'm Val Hart in San Antonio, Texas, founder of Val Hart and Friends at ValHart.com. Welcome to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show, the show for animals and the people who love them. I've been called a real-life Dr. Doolittle many times in my career as an expert animal communicator, behaviorist, pet psychic, and master healer. My mission and passion is to improve the lives of animals the world over by helping humans learn how to speak their language, how to understand their viewpoints, and heal. After all, our love of animals helps us be better humans, and the more balanced and healthy we are, the more balanced and healthy they can be, too. Be sure and look for my CDs on iTunes, and to find out more about my work and to receive your free Quick Start Animal Talk course, just go to my website at valhart.com. While you're there for a limited time, you can also apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And if you want to learn how to be your own Dr. Doolittle, check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system available now on my website at valhart.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Val Hart, the real Dr. Doolittle, and today I'm talking with Lucia Jacob, and she is, I'm just so excited you're here, Lucia, I can't hardly wait. Um, You're an international speaker, in fact, it took us months to schedule this because you have been traveling around the world. Um, You're an instructor and a facilitator, you teach a class you call Linking Awareness Between Humans and Animals. And you do an international healing modality called the Body Talk System for Animals and Humans. You are also an advanced Body Talk practitioner, as well as a reconnective healing, matrix energetics, Reiki, sound and frequency healer. Oh, my God, that's a lot. Um, And other things. Uh, You also work with interdimensional beings. And you love and support the animal kingdom on their journey here in the earth plane. And this is just fascinating. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Val. It's pretty exciting to finally be on the phone with you, that's for sure. And uh, honoring the animal kingdom and nature and that interconnectedness we have with all that is that we're just starting to realize that we have. Yes. Um, So let me ask you this to get us started. What drew you to this line of work? How did you get here? Well, you know, I don't, I'm not into uh, pointing fingers, but if I was, <laughs> I'd have to be pointing at the animals, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a dog grooming and dog training and cat grooming business for over 20 years. Okay. And I also had my own horses that I trained myself. I'm not a horse trainer, but I, I started my own horses. And over time, I started noticing that the animals were showing me things about their families, and they were showing me that the uh, illnesses they were carrying or the behavioral things they were carrying quite often were linked to their families and that they were holding uh, energy information for a child in the family or for a grandmother in the house or a neighbor down the street. And I had, so I had a lot of questions on mm-hmm. what to do with that type of information I was perceiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, so I started asking more questions and I started searching for yeah. a way to deal with them because I realized that I was a natural animal communicator yeah. as I believe we all are. Um, and so I started uh, studying and uh, accessing and activating my dormant subtle senses to perceive that holographic or intercellular communication with the animal kingdom and nature and actually all sentient beings, which includes children and adults. And, and then as I started perceiving more information, it was, a, now what do I do with that? The animal told me that the uh, sore leg is because the child himself in soccer and he's trying to help the child but how do i help the animal with that 
Uh, and that's really what drew me to these healing modalities, and particularly at this point in time, the body talk system, which I instruct about six different modules of. Wow. Yeah. It Very is interesting. Well. And I know you teach all over the world. I do. I am so blessed. Right. Where all have you been? Uh, huh, United States of America, Canada, mm-hmm. Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, in the jungles, wow. to Japan, South Africa, uh-huh. uh, all through Australia, New uh-huh. Zealand, uh-huh. Um, Singapore, awesome. the UK. Um, uh-huh. I've lost track. Probably wow. to the moon. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon we'll be st- we'll be saying where you haven't been as a shorter list, right? Well, it's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, good. Because, the world. Yeah, good because I know that the the world needs this kind of awakening, this information, um, the healing. You know. You and, know, I agree, Val, and I think that's what happened with me is to take it out of my community and the animals pushed me. It's time to start speaking for us and with us, and it's time to start telling people the potential of what we could do with and for the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, I guess, I was brave enough to be a pilgrim. Yes, you're a pioneer. A pioneer, pioneer, that's a better word, actually. (laughs) A visionary and a pioneer. It would seem. Yeah. Um, Tell me, uh, you teach a class called Linking Awareness Between Humans and Animals. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, It's a beginning class in trying to bring our perception to the fact that we can uh, communicate non-verbally with animals, but also with nature and with our children and each other. And it begins that exploration of what is it like to perceive intercellular or energetic information via the subtle senses, cool. which would uh, be our inner hearing, inner sight, inner smell, inner taste, inner feeling, and that aspect of being able to reach out and touch something that is not tangibly physical. Okay. Uh, and exploring that through the animal kingdom is powerful because when we pick up that information and we speak it back to them and it's congruent, they will physically show releases to validate our information. So they, in turn, end up being my co-facilitators and teachers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Can you give us a, an example of something uh, that's it, happened that, to help it, illustrate that? Yeah, an example uh, would be um, I'm picking up information from a horse that he's having severe headaches and that uh, there's a bone in his head that is blocked, but it's because he foresees a head injury coming for his owner, and he's trying to help stop that. And when I pick that information up with my subtle senses or in my imagination, as my friend the tiger shaman would say, and I speak it back to the animal, if it's congruent, I notice their physical body will release. They might drop and roll. The horse might start licking, (laughs) dropping their head below their shoulders, they might urinate or defecate to say yes mm-hmm. because they know we can't hear them, so they'll do physical signs to validate. If that information I picked up was incongruent, the animal would stand there and stare at me and go, okay, next, another idea? Mm. Wow, okay, yeah. good, good. So animals definitely give you feedback. They are amazing feedback. Absolutely, and yeah. as long as you're working with them, trying, giving it you know, your best, they're delighted to help, right? I think that they are beyond delighted to help. I agree with you, and they have been waiting for us to pay attention to them and learn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said animals are our teachers and healers. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. they are just master teachers um, in disguise. <laughs> Absolutely. You know that I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. I must say. <laughs> um, so I want to hear more stories. Oh, I, you just, I know you have so many stories. We could be here all day, like for a week, um, hearing all these, uh, all the things that you've experienced. Um, what pops out at you that you would like to share with us uh, first? Well, I guess I would have to ask you, would your readers, your listeners like to hear something about a domestic or more of a wild-type animal first? You know, we're, I, I don't know about my listeners, <laughs> but <laughs> how about you? Um, how about me? Uh, uh, me, me. I, I want to hear about the elephants. I love elephants. I've had a close personal experience with elephants several times in my life, yeah. and they are near and dear to my heart. Um, so let's start with the elephants. Um, great. Uh, and I want to thank I want to thank my perceptions that helped me to be what I call the, the observer of miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the elephant kingdom is certainly a very clear communicator telepathically or intercellularly, and they are amazing. Uh, the story starts with I'm on my way to teach in Singapore, and after Singapore I'm teaching in Australia. And I stop at the Singapore night safari zoo as a tourist because uh, I wanted to see how they were housing the animals and how the animals felt about that. And so we're driving along in a tram, and we inadvertently stop beside the elephants. And the one of the elephants, uh, I heard in my mind's eye, in my imagination, say, we need some help, can you come and help us? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have very strong ethics around the healing work that I do, that uh, with the animal kingdom, uh, I'll wait for the curator of the zoo or the owner or the mm-hmm. veterinarian to ask me to help with the animal, so yes. I'm not going to project uh, a rescuer archetype. So I said to the elephant uh, in my mind's eye, I said, you know, I'd love to help you, but you need to open the doors for me here and, so I can have permission. Mm-hmm. And as the tram started moving, I started second-guessing that the elephant was actually communicating with me. And as the tram started moving, the elephant starts running beside us, running and, and staring at me. So <laughs> I had a pretty huge validation. So the elephant said, I promise, I said to the elephant, I promise that I will come back if you open the door for me. Mm-hmm. So a week later, I left for Australia. I spent a month and a half traveling all through Australia teaching and um I came back to Singapore to teach again, and when I got back, I met an amazing veterinarian, Dr. Lai, who I do a lot of work with, and um, he was asking me how I was doing, and I said, you know, it's funny, these last two mornings I've been having this dream, and in the dream, an elephant has been telling me it has a sore tooth, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, well, maybe it's one of the elephants at the Singapore Zoo, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I think you're right. He says, well, I know the curator, and we could have a meeting with him, mm. so a few days later, we're having a meeting with the curator of the elephants, and I tell him about my dream, and he says, you know, I think that's my male elephant, Chuang. He's got a sore musk gland. He's in rut. Would you come and help him? Mm-hmm. So I said, I love to. Mm-hmm. So I got a fo- I, I, we made an appointment for about a week down the road, and in the meantime, I got an appointment from a staff at the zoo, and she said, you won't believe what happened at the zoo today. And I said, I don't know what happened. She said, well, the vets and the curators... The Mahouts, I think, were in the elephant barn, and they were making fun of you. Oh, some girl from Canada says she can talk to the elephants, and she's going to do some healing work for them. (laughs) And she said they have a sore tooth. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) As they're making fun of me, one of the female elephants comes walking up to them, looks at them, and spits a tooth out on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like she didn't hit him with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Talk about the animal kingdom supporting me, right? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, well, anyway, thank you very much. Yeah, so you got to know that by the time I got there a week later, the was veterinarians, the mahouts, the curators, all come to watch this session that I was doing with Chuang. Mm-hmm. I was pretty excited myself, but I thought, wow, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I got an old audience here. <laughs> so I went up to the elephant, to Chuang, and I asked him what could I do for him, you know, because I heard that he was in pain and I would use some my my healing techniques to support mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he said, uh, I don't want you to help me. I want you to help me one of the, help one of the Mahouts first. And I went, what? And he says, no, you can't help me. You have to help one of them first. So you got to know there was a lot of people standing there. So I asked the elephant, which one? Mm-hmm. So in my imagination, in my mind, I show me which uh, of the Mahouts, and I said, excuse me, sir, but Chuang will not let me help him. He wants me to help you first, and I don't know what's going on, but well, how do you feel about that? So everybody was going, oh, blah, 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 and I'm going, oh, gee, I must be looking like a fool, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said, no, 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 no. They, t- they pointed at the Mahout and said, pull your shirt up and show her, show her. So he pulls his shirt up. He has got a scar from shoulder to shoulder. and the center of his chest, the scar is still weeping. Mm. And he went, wow, what happened? Mm. Mm. He said, well, seven years before, he was taking Chuang out for a walk, for his daily walk. Mm-hmm. And for, no unknow- for an unknown reason, Chuang went into a rage and pinned him to the ground with his tusks. Mm. And they don't know why he didn't die, but they finally pulled the elephant off of him and they rushed him to the hospital. And he went through surgery, missed his lungs, missed his heart, and he's still mm. alive today. Mm. So it's amazing to me that Chuang had so much remorse about this misplaced rage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that he would not let me do a healing on himself before I helped the mahout that he had injured. Wow. Yeah, wow, wow. is right. So I did the session for the mahout, and then after that, Chuang stepped forward and let me do a session for him. You know, Val, like everywhere I travel, it continues to amaze me how the animal kingdom has emotions, feelings, a soul, uh, some form of conscious interpretation of the reality and how much they care about the earth and us beings and the humans in it and how they're willing to help and support us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, profound. It is very profound. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Ah, oh, God, I love the elephant. It takes your breath away, doesn't it? It does, it does. I've got chills all over. I was reaching for my Kleenex. I know. Yeah. I know. Wow. I know. Wow. You can only imagine. Yeah. Um, it was profound for the Mahut because when you look at energies, the conception vessel runs up the front of the body, and that was the part of his scar that in seven years hadn't fully healed. Right. So well, we unblocked some energies for him and, uh, yeah. and watched him go through some big shifts. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> Wow. Oh, so um, you have more stories about the elephants in Singapore. Something about uh, foot surgery and a vet. And, right. Oh, I got called in another time because mm-hmm. uh, some of the healing work that I teach can be used by veterinarians and sanctuary staff, mm-hmm. and it's a basic set of body talk techniques that would support the animals. Yeah. So the veterinarian asked me to come in and show her uh, after uh, a surgery, what happens with the elephants in the zoo is they stand around a long, for a long time and they get pebbles in their feet. So oh. they'll lay the elephant down and they don't have to anesthetize them? Anesthetize? Yeah, they don't have to. Sedatives. That's why I'm not a vet, right? Yeah, yeah. My mom still thinks I should be a vet and I said, no, 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 mom, you don't understand. I can't pronounce those words. 
Oh, anyway, great. so she laid the two elephants down, mm-hmm. and she took the pebbles out of their feet, and they both ended up with this huge bandage on their left front foot oh. by the time she was done. Okay. So she said, you know, how could you now help the elephants with this healing work that you do? And I, I said, well, I'll show you the techniques. So I worked through a surrogate, so I never have to touch the animals. A surrogate means a human that would represent the elephant. Mm-hmm. And it goes into the concepts of non-local healing, um, proximal distance. So as I was doing the techniques on a surrogate human, the veterinarian's watching the elephants, and I do a technique where I link the brain to the injury so the injury can heal faster, and both elephants, as I'm linking to their injury, look back at us and lift up their bandaged feet <laughs> and show the vet, yeah, we know exactly what she's working on. <laughs> and the veterinarian's in tears. You can't believe that the elephants are actually perceiving my thoughts at that level. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they're um, more they're more aware of our thoughts than we are. Don't you don't you find? I think the the <laughs> animal kingdom in general, and it seems to me that different species of animals have a different ability to connect that way. Yeah. Um, so of course that's why I travel around the world to explore what does that mean. Yeah. And the elephants are beyond amazing. I must say. Yeah. 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 Well, there are a lot of amazing animals I think in our world and. Some of them look like our domestic, you know, dogs and cats and horses and such. Um, and the wild animals, I think they have a, a – and it's something is, I, I don't know, so remarkable about them. The baboons, the lions, the tigers, the, the insects, you know, of course, our yeah. amazing dolphins and whales and, um, yeah. and others. Um, and I know you've gotten some amazing messages also. Um, like from the baboons. Let's talk about the baboons that you worked with in South Africa. Yeah, and, you know, I wanted to kind of reiterate what I I think I just heard you said because I agree with there seems to be different levels of consciousness and possibly our domestic animals are taking on more of our belief systems and our egoic structures, which seems to filter universal consciousness and hinder uh, their ability to connect at different levels. The wild animals don't spend the same time with humanity. And right, so it right. seems like their filters are different. Uh, that's just one thing I'm trying to explore is why do their, are their filters different? Does it have to do with human belief systems and egoic structures that they are not so close to? So just Good question. Well, I have a thought about that just in my mind. Um, our domestic animals tend to be, a cl- they're closer in the human animal, what I call the body-mind connection, the mm-hmm. the energy matrix of the family group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they take on often our illnesses, our wounds, yeah. our imbalances, right? Yeah. Um, and, but because they're domestic, in, in, in that they're so connected to humankind, um, that it does change them. It, it modifies them a bit, um, partly, I think, because of their purpose with us. They're, they're supposed to be. I mean, they're, part of their work with us is to be a closer connection. Um, it's know, a mirror I, for us. Uh, right. Yeah, and I they agree. Mirror and I think uh, it's exactly what leads us to the stories of the wild animals when they seem to bring information that are more humanitarian and global and universal mm-hmm. uh, messages uh whereas a lot of our domestic animals, it's a lot more about us and our imbalances and our wounds. Yeah, they, it's almost like they have a different purpose in being, yeah. you know, the the reason they came. Uh, yeah. is it, We have to work on the macrocosm, right, with the wild, and then also there's the microcosm, the 
Exactly. The closer to home, you know. The, the exactly, and, and then through them being able to perceive that interconnectedness, that all of it and none of it, like all of it is interconnected and none of it is separate. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Right, there's that interconnectedness of the human-animal body-mind connection, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So I was taken to uh, a baboon sanctuary in South Africa, mm-hmm. and um, it's a place where they take the wild baboons that have been injured and they rehab them, with the hopes of turning them back into the wild. It's it's an amazing, amazing uh, sanctuary. Mm. Mm. And um, I went I went through a shocking revelation there myself because I was asked to go and do a bit of communication and some healing work for some of the baboons that to prepare them for going back into the wild. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I met uh, a few baboons that I just don't know who they really are because mm-hmm. one in particular, his name is Joshua Baboon. Joshua and Baboon. Joshua Baboon. I love that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he came forward to speak with me, if you mind me saying speak with me, but it mm-hmm. sure seems like he was. Absolutely. And he, when he stood up and leaned back on a piece of wood as if he were a human being speaking to me, uh, his message was, some of us baboons here are ascended beings that have taken um, on a, a baboon form but we are here protecting and guarding a special sacred vortex for the earth. Wow. And that earth vortex is uh, a special area, and we stay here, and we do not want to go back into the wild because we stay here at the sanctuary guarding this area. Wow. And he he went on to show me that in the uh, concept of a universal grid, that they had lost a bit of their connection with the grid and their ability to communicate at the level they wanted to, so they were asking for help to um, reconnect fully to this universal grid so they could more effectively do their work for the vortex of the earth. Okay. Uh, Then afterwards, when I got a tour of the property, (laughs) I got shown in the area that there's a pyramidal structure of an earth mound that is profound, there is a rose quartz labyrinth on this property that is unbelievable that mirrors Chartres in Europe mm. and that the Tibetans had searched all through South Africa and had come on this private property and chosen this property to put a Tibetan peace pagoda. Mm. So for me it was a huge mirror in my communication with those baboons mm-hmm. to show that possibly these animals, some of them, are uh, running frequencies through them that are very important, powerful in relation to humanity and the earth vortexes and helping those earth vortexes to stay clean and clear. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, sometimes when we start to delve into this intercellular communication with the animal kingdom, we have no idea what information would try and show itself. Yeah. Yeah, very profound. So we did some profound work with those baboons, and uh, they they continue to teach people that go there and sit with them, I tell you. Yeah, I would imagine so. It's it's almost like they're the resident monks, you know, or the, uh, the you know, it's That's like my they're the peacekeepers, they're the guardians, they're the, the it's almost like they're the sacred um, priests or priestesses, so to speak. Um, That's that definitely my space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're actually doing the work there. Yeah, How and brilliant. I think that these types of areas, mm-hmm. uh, one day we will have people going to sit and meditate with these animals for those types of reasons. Yeah, you know, people often go to dolphins. They, they, they're they more 
um, aware of meditating with the dolphins or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but not so much with baboons. Yeah, That's and amazing. I think, I think we have to recognize all the different consciousness frequencies that are working with all of our different animal kingdoms, and uh, no different than sitting with the bears or sitting with the baboons or sitting right. with right. the raccoons. You know, they all have different information they're filtering for us to get wisdom from. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. I hope Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um yeah, I just want to hear so much. Um, well, so I, I brought up the dolphins and whales for a reason. Let's talk about them for a moment. Mm. Um, you have some uh, some great stories. I know there's um, the pink dolphins um, with the children. We don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> I've been very very blessed to spend time with dolphins in the wild in a lot of parts of the world. You know, from mm-hmm. Mozambique, Africa to Florida mm-hmm. to Mexico, and uh, I was on my way to Hong Kong. It's actually in Egypt doing some work in Egypt, and uh, I got a message from a child um, at a vortex that uh, showed me to find a rock on the ground, and the rock was in the shape of a pink dolphin. Oh. And he said that I was on my way to Hong Kong, that I needed to go and spend time with the pink dolphins. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to Hong Kong a week later, I found out that there was indeed pink dolphins that live in the ocean, and that you could go out to try and see them, but they weren't always visible and you were lucky if a few would come because there's not that many anymore. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, I was teaching an animal healing class and uh, animal-type communication class to a group of children. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think the children teach me, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I invited, uh, or they invited, or I invited four of them to come on a, a boat with me to go out and call the dolphins. And any time I had the opportunity to take the children and youth with me when I work with uh, intercellular communication, it's profound because it's so natural for them. Mm-hmm. So on the way there, the children bought some fish to call in the dolphins mm-hmm. from a physical perspective. Uh-huh, so sure, that works. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we went to the fish store. <laughs> okay. It was yeah. their way of offering, I think, an exchange and a thank you to the dolphins. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So two girls and two boys, uh, off we go. And um, we're going out onto the ocean outside of the uh, a bay out in Hong Kong. And about two hours later, we start getting out more to the open ocean. And Ethan, uh, a young boy that has taught me a lot from Hong Kong, he starts saying, I can hear them, I can hear them, they're coming. You must be quiet, you must be quiet, because I'm mm-hmm. going to call them now. Mm-hmm. So he made, he made the adults and the children on the boat be quiet while he went into a meditative state. And he started making these amazing sounds. Mm and saying that he was calling the dolphins. Uh And simultaneously, another young boy friend of mine, uh, he started uh, also saying, I can hear them, and I'm throwing the fish to thank them. Mm -hmm. And within 10 minutes, the first pink dolphin started arriving. Wow. And uh, I tell you that by the time we were done, there was over 24 pink dolphins spending a couple of hours with us, swimming around the boat, playing. And if you're sensitive to frequencies you don't need to go in the water with the dolphins right they can share information with you from a distance right right and when you see perspectively can see energy grids you can see them forming different energetic holograms around the area where you are uh, flower of life holograms sacred geometrical holograms light grid holograms mm. and so we spent a lot of time in speaking with them verbally 
uh-huh. speaking with them intuitively or in their imagination and yeah. sharing the teachings of the frequencies and information back and forth. The kids were uh, in meditation sometimes naturally on their own, which blew me away because these kids are five, six, seven, and eight years old. Wow. And uh, by the time we left, we had had this amazing experience with these dolphins. And uh, for the next few days, uh, we were, I guess you would call it, downloading information and frequencies. Yeah. Uh, two of the kids couldn't go to school for about three days. They were going through so much changes in their DNA and systems from these Wow. Dolphins. Oh, my God. Yeah, very profound. Mm. Very profound experience. So, mm. you know, any time that I can get to the dolphins and bring uh, children with me, uh, I get to stand and learn and listen, I tell you. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so pink dolphins, uh, in in my in my experience, share uh, a teaching of a different frequency than the bottlenose do and then the spinners do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about the the dolphins and the whales in uh, Africa? Um, yeah, it's called to Mozambique, Africa. Okay. And I was called there uh, to swim with the dolphins. And um, we swim out in the wild with them, and there's a really great company out there that takes you out and totally respects the dolphins and would never go in the water with the dolphins unless the dolphins give permission. So we had a few consecutive days where the dolphins came and gave us permission to swim with them. Um, But for me, beyond the dolphins' message there on that time, the humpback whales were out in the water with us. And the humpback whales were sending me images and, and information that they were asking for help with their song. And oh. possibly there's less and less whales, and possibly there's a fragmentation. They showed me that their song and the frequency of their song is what is helping hold the earth grid uh, certain resonances and that they were struggling with their song around the world and spreading that song. And they were asking us to find ways as humans to support them in the transfers of those frequencies and those songs. Really? Wow. Yeah, so for me that's something I'm trying to understand. <coughs> Since then in Australia I've met some didgeridoo healers that are also experiencing the same message and using the didge to help that resonance uh, to keep going around the world. So there's lots of ways I think that we could ask of how we could help with sound frequency okay. uh, with the whales. So can you give us something that we, the listeners, um, can do? Is there anything else, anything that any of us can do? I think that if we take on the the concepts of dream time that the Aboriginals uh, from Australia talk to us about, and even if we go into our dream time before going to sleep and, and ask the whales to come into our dreams and teach us the song that we okay. could hear in our hearts and uh, share just in our imagination. And then I'm saying just, it's not, but... No. Use our imagination and that sound from the heart. And the whales, I think they can teach it to us in dream time. Ah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I remember um, when I was healing from a surgery once, I had someone gave me a whale song a CD of, yes. of whales, you know, uh, songs. And uh, I loved that. I, I you know, resonated with it. I prayed with it. I meditated with it. I just, you know felt it, let it let myself feel it in my own body and yeah um and i'm thinking uh anyone can do that if they wish I, um, I agree. and will open themselves to that and that would actually be helpful Very i agree helpful. with you val and uh, i also agree with you on that mirroring 
when we go into dream time with the whales and we ask them to show us the song that we could help uh, to transmit, there's going to be a simultaneous healing for ourselves and the whales at the same time. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, girl. Um, <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, we got. We, we're I'm watching our time here, and I, I mean, we could just go forever. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about dogs and cats um, or horses. Do you have any stories for us about um, maybe a cat or a... Um, uh, well, how about cats? I think probably a lot of your listeners have amazing cats at home, and they do, some that yes. they know are amazing and some that they don't know are amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm very fortunate that I work with a lot of veterinarians and I really believe in integrative medicine, that we integrate the animal communication and the consciousness medicine, energy medicine uh, with the veterinarians. And so because of that, I work with a lot of veterinarians. Um, so back home, a local vet called me about an orange cat who was uh, not able to eat anymore, wouldn't go outside, and it was dying other than the fact that they could now keep it alive on a feeding tube. But the ah, owners yeah. had to feed the cat on this feeding tube constantly. So they had done exploratory surgery with no results, and they had also sent this cat to a specialty hospital with another surgery with no results. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know what was wrong with the cat other than they were keeping him alive on a feeding tube. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as we know sometimes as animal communicators and animal healers, we are the last resort because nothing yes. else seems to be working. Exactly. And so this cat came to me for a session, and uh, we started doing a session with the cat, and um, I'm going to do an overview of the story. The owners had a, uh, a holiday in Europe planned. It was a family reunion. They spent a lot of money. But they loved their cat so much they canceled their family reunion and no refund on their trip. So they lost a lot of money, mm. but they really loved their cat. Yeah. And um, so now they were coming to try and help the cat heal. So in doing the session, uh, the cat says to me, in a whispering voice in my imagination, I'm not really sick, you know. <laughs> and I went, excuse me? <laughs> I'm not really sick, you know, I'm faking it. Oh, my God. And I went, come on. Uh-huh. And so in my imagination, I went, well, why would you be faking it? Yeah. Because I knew if my family went on their family reunion, they were going to be in a bad car accident, and I didn't want them to get hurt, so I made them stay here. Wow. And I'm going, okay, I'm not going to tell these people this. That's crazy talk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? Yeah. You know when the animals talk to us, they tell us some secrets sometimes, yeah? They do, yes. <laughs> Yes, they do, and and I felt the same way. It's like, okay, do I have permission to tell your people that? I don't think so. So, Uh, what can I tell them? Yeah, so ethically, you know, I'm the same as you. I I have I have different things in in place, so I ask for permission to say things. Uh huh. Right. So I got permission. So I said to the owners, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but your cat says he hasn't really been sick. He's been faking it because he was worried about you being in a car accident in Europe. Uh-huh. And both of them, their eyes went open wide, and they went, oh, my God. Uh-huh. And they looked at each other, and you remember? We were so worried about that rental car we were going to get, and we felt uneasy about it. Uh-huh. Oh, thank And they thanked their cat profusely. Oh, my God. Oh. 
<laughs> totally understood. Oh, that, I love that. I know. And yeah. in the meantime, the cat had said to me, tell them within five days to put out my favorite food, salmon, and I will start eating again. Oh, my God. So I got a call from the vet a week later. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What happened? They took out all feeding tubes. The uh-huh. cat was now eating again and going outside. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Well, ah, oh, jeez. And, and, you know, this this brings me to something I want to make a point about, is yeah. that, you know, you mentioned a minute ago they that people usually call people like us in yeah. for the last minute. We're like the Hail Mary after they've tried everything else in the world. They finally yeah. think to ask the animal what's going yeah. on. And, yeah. you know, in, in my book, <laughs> in my world, it's like, do it first. I know. Find out what's going on before you put your animal through all the surgeries and, and all the, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Ask them. Just ask them what's going on so that they can tell you. And that might be all that's needed. So, And you know, Val, oh, well, I, I agree with you. And then... In turn, the work that we're doing with animal communication mm-hmm. and the healing work supports the veterinarian so they can pinpoint things yes. faster. Exactly. And you know our veterinarians have the animal's well-being at heart, and they would rather the animal gets better faster. Sure, of course. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So integrative medicine, absolutely. Yes, exactly. Perfect, perfect point. I love that story. Yeah. Um what about transition? We haven't talked about that so oh, much just yet. Do you have a story about that? I'm so glad you're talking about uh, animals in transition, I think, is a very overlooked area for okay. uh, support. And I think that the veterinarians uh, would love to have more support for their clients, their human and animal clients, through the transition process. Yes, I think we all need it, don't we? I agree. And yeah. it's a profound process for the family and the animal and what I also find is there's times when the animal is ready and willing to transition, but uh, it's like they have a mission they have to finish before they go. Yes. So we can help support the unfolding of that mission. I like so, the way you said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was working with the Dr. Lyon Singapore, and he does not believe in euthanization, so he supports the animal to die uh, peacefully and reverently. Okay. Um, so there's little Jack Russell, and mm-hmm. he was in his late teens. He had kidney failure, mm-hmm. and he was hanging in there. The owners were having to catheterize him daily mm-hmm. throughout the day to, to remove the urine for him mm-hmm. so he wouldn't uh, go into toxemia. Yeah. So I went to do a session, and while I'm doing this session with a young Oriental couple, and I have a translator there, the uh, dog keeps staring at the woman, the girl's uterus. and. Oh. The dog says to me, I need to help her be able to have a baby before I go. Wow. And I'm thinking, okay. Okay. So in the healing work I do, we talk a lot about limiting belief system, holding us back from things in our life. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to the couple about the dog wants to help with this having a baby. Were they thinking about having a baby? Well, they said after crying, they said they were, but that they would never be able to have a baby because the 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 girl was born on a specific day, a specific time, as a female, and in China, when you're born like that, you're prophesied you would never have a child. Mm. So she's created a belief system. So we did some advanced body talk work to help her release the belief system so that she could potentially have a baby. Uh So I noticed when we were doing the session, the dog is finally taking his focus off the girl's uterus. Uh So by the end of the session, their question remained, well, does our dog want to die? Is he going to die? When's he going to die? Mm-hmm. 
So I hear this voice in my imagination, and it's the dog saying, I want to go, but I want a party first. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I want a party. I just want a party. party. That's all. Uh-huh. So I, I say, I'm sorry, but your, your dog says he wants to go, but he's, you have to give him a party first. He wants a party. What he means about the party. <laughs> oh, they start crying again. No, no, Lucia, you don't understand. It was his birthday two days ago. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He, oh, didn't, no. get his, he didn't get his birthday party. His birthday party. Oh, so I said, well, may I suggest, when you go home, you buy a birthday cake and candles. Mm-hmm. And you celebrate your dog's birthday with him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because he wants a party. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, anyways, a week later, the the vet phones me back, Lucia, you won't believe what happened. Uh-huh. The couple went home. They got balloons and a cake uh-huh, and uh-huh. some candles. And they celebrated, and they had a party with the birth, the dog. Uh-huh. They had a birthday party. Uh-huh. And you got to know on some level, Lucia believes in the death process as a birthing process, right? A, it's a rebirth into another realm. But Yeah, thank you for so, saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had this birthday party for the Jack Russell. Wow. They blew out the candles. 20 minutes later, the dog laid down and died and transitioned wow. naturally on his own. Wow. Oh, my God. So ecstatic for their dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and what a transformation of what is typically such a painful, grief-stricken, you know, sad Isn't experience. That, you know, that true. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so what a true. Wonderful story. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. My God. You know, I'm just gonna <sighs> quickly share another one. A young girl phoned me mm-hmm. in hysterics because she was at the vet clinic with her dog, who was terminal. Uh-huh. And they were going to euthanize the dog, and she just couldn't bear them killing her dog. Yeah. Uh-huh. A little shih tzu. And so she's a teenager. And I said, you know what, darling? Why don't you ask the vet if you could hold your dog, and you sit with your dog quietly, and you give your dog permission, and thank your dog for everything it's helped you with in your lifetime, yeah. and you give your dog permission to leave. And I said, you might be just thoroughly shocked at what happens. Okay. So she got off the phone with me. They phoned me back about four hours later, mm-hmm. oh, crying, so happy. She sat with her dog in the waiting room, and she thanked the dog for helping her with her trials and tribulations because she had been in a car accident mm. where uh, her friend had died and she had survived, and the dog had helped her through this. Oh, wow. So she thanked the dog for that, and she mm-hmm. gave the dog permission to go uh, transition if it wanted to go, that she wouldn't hold it back any farther, any longer. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, within 10 minutes, the dog took its last breath in her arms. Wow. Yeah, no needles. Oh. I know, Val. Oh, man. <laughs> I yeah. know you have similar experiences, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I know all of us who love animals have them in our life. You know, we want, um, that's how we want our ending, you know, to be. That's how I personally want my ending to be. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, as, for us as translators for the yeah. animal kingdom, yeah. this is where we can support the animal owners, the veterinarians, the sanctuary staff, the zoos, uh, because at this point we are their voice. Yes. And it's a profound place to stand in. Uh, and those of us who do our best to be in integrity and come from the heart with the animal kingdom are yes. seeing miracles. Yes. Yeah, I, come, I think they're miracles. They are. Uh, there's no question about that. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh, 
there was one more story that we had talked about a bit that I'd love to end with today. It was about the elephants again, uh, near and dear to my heart, at Kruger National Park. Yeah. Uh, mm. Tell me more about that. This is a message I'd like to share from a male elephant that I met, and all I can do is share it because I don't know what to do with it. Okay. Uh, I was going to Kruger National Park, and I had a guide who had asked me what my intent was, and I said I just wanted to go and talk to the animals. So two days before we went, uh, five male elephants showed up in my imagination mm. and said that they would be coming to meet me to talk to me and that I should not be afraid when they come close to the car because they weren't going to hurt me. Okay. So I told the guide about this, and uh make a long story short, two days later we're in the park for the second day, and there they come, the five male bachelor elephants to meet us. Wow. Wow. I mean, profound experience for me because you got to know – when it's in our imagination, when it shows up in reality, it's always a miracle and a surprise, I think. Yes, I agree. Uh-huh. You know, that Definitely. we are in this place where we can communicate at that level with, with uh, all sentient beings. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I said to the elephant, to the one biggest male elephant, I, I'm so grateful that you're here, but I still kind of can't believe you've actually showed up. <laughs> and if it's really you, could you walk closer? Because they were about a kilometer away on the side of a lake. Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, we would come closer because we've come to meet with you. So mm-hmm. they started walking towards us. And you got to know Kruger Park is as big as England. Mm. Wow. It's bigger. Wow. Yeah. So here they are walking towards us. And now the one head elephant, he says, and now, uh, like I've told you, I'm coming to speak to you, so please don't be afraid. He walks all the way out of the group of five towards me and i have a picture one picture of him because i didn't want to take more pictures because it was too amazing of a moment he walked about eight feet in front of the vehicle we were in and stood there stared at me and talked to me Mm. for 20 minutes i mean Mm. it was all i could do but sit there and cry Mm. and my perception of his message that he's asked me to share with the world is that the elephants seem to be using a chamber in the sinus cavity in the front of their head to send frequencies, low, low frequencies that are helping, uh, if you will, to keep the reality of the earth um, in balance. Mm. And that uh, there's elephants in zoos that are volunteering in place to be there to support the piggybacking, so to speak, of this frequency. And that they too are asking for support and help in this lower frequency rumble in keeping it zooming, so to speak, around the Earth, you know, visualization, mm-hmm. keeping that frequency circulating because there aren't as many elephants as there used to be. No. And uh, you know that through different uh, poaching and the ivory that they are losing some of their peers and they are asking for help. Yeah. And they are asking for us that speak with them to bring awareness to this potential that they hold okay. in helping the Earth and the Earth helping them okay. and them in turn teaching and helping us. Okay. Um, so all I can do is share that message, and I know there's people that will hear this and understand how they can support them and bring that to our awareness. Okay. And so that when we can commune with the elephants once again in our imagination and in our travels, that we could be on that wavelength with them. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted to mention that um, through some healing work I did in Africa, uh, they uh, adopted an elephant for me named... Uh, she came forward when they asked her to come, an elephant to come forward to be adopted in my name. This one young little elephant came forward, 
and her name is Shakura. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, the name means gratitude. Uh-huh. Okay. And I want to share that gratitude for the elephants and them for us. And when I go back, I'll be going to Kenya to work with those elephants, and we'll bring okay. more stories forward. Oh, I would lo- oh, please let me know. Um would love to hear more. Um, this is so such important information uh, that you're bringing through. Thank you. Yeah. The Sheldrake Foundation works with these elephants in Kenya. Okay. Um, okay. Uh-huh. Thank you. Um, so I hope that everyone listening today has a new perspective. <laughs> yeah. And I know I do in relation to our animal kingdom and its nature and how that we are interconnected uh, with all that is. And uh, I want to finish up just by... Um, I know you have some projects that you're really passionate about, and I know people might want to uh, contact you or, or sign up for classes or, or something like that. So how can they do all of that? What what do you want to uh, leave us with today? Great. Um, well, I am going to leave you with a really quick blurb about a passionate project I have in working with youth okay. and uh, helping youth to learn energetic and consciousness-based techniques and modalities so that they, in turn, can support their peers in their healing process and uh, around the world. So I've got a team of 12 that I've been working with right now, mm-hmm. and they have come with me to Indonesia to work with orphanages, into the Malaysian jungle to work with an Orang Asli tribe, mm-hmm. and they are now starting to do uh, workshops and travel around the world and in their own communities especially mm-hmm. to support other youth. Uh, with different techniques and modalities, and particularly I've been teaching the body talk system to them. Okay. Uh, You will be able to look at their projects through my website. Okay. And my website address is www.fullcircle333.com, and that's the numbers three as in uh, the the numerical numbers. Right. Okay, so www.fullcircle333.com. Exactly. F U L L C I R C L E three three three. Got it. Yeah, and okay, we are also it. doing a, a documentary film uh, of that project that will be coming out with a promotional DVD very soon here in a couple of weeks. Okay. And my filmmaker is Elizabeth Upton. Okay. And uh, I think I've given you. If I don't want to miss, uh, give her information. It's the source code dot com is. Her uh, website and uh, another project she's working on. Okay, I believe it's uh, thesourcecode.net. Thank you. Yes, so www.thesourcecode.net, thesourcecode.net. Great. Very cool. Also, yeah, awesome work she's done on sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. And they can also Google Elizabeth Upton. Okay. So she's my filmmaker, and she's a youth as well. She's in her in her mid twenties. Ah, wonderful! So all of this project is is myself and another facilitator, okay. Carrie Lessig. We are mentoring the youth to do their own project okay. and bring awareness to youth around the world. Brilliant! Yeah. Uh, so we've touched on it here, but we haven't really addressed it specifically yet. What is Body Talk for Animals, and is that something anyone can learn? That's what I love about the body talk system. Anybody can learn it. Okay. Uh, and uh, what I found through my animal communication work or the intercellular communication, we can pick up amazing information from the animal kingdom, and then what do we do with that? How do we support them? Yes. So that really drew me towards the body talk system as a healing modality and tool to support the information the animals give us. Okay. 
So the animal could tell me it has a sore back or the animal could tell me that it's got a spiritual thing that's unfolding, but how do I support them to right. shift that in their life? Right. I've, uh, I've always said that animal communication is, is the place to start, but then you. you take it forward. What do you do next? What, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that so was ahead. my so-called dilemma, Val, just like you. What do I do yeah. with that information? Yeah. Um, that drew me to the body talk system, okay. and after nine years studying and becoming an advanced practitioner, I'm now also an instructor, so a large part of what I teach around the world is the body talk system for humans to become okay. practitioners, and then I also support those practitioners to become practitioners to work with the animal kingdom. Okay. I've also helped co-develop a manual called Animal Talk Access, Okay. which helps lay people, sanctuary staff, veterinarians, zoo staff, to learn five basic techniques that they can support the animal's health and well-being. It's a one-and-a-half-day class that I teach as well. Awesome. Okay, love it. All of that information will be on the Body Talk website, and also going through my website, you can link on to the Body Talk website. Okay. The Body Talk website is www.bodytalksystem.com. Exactly, and they can, uh, lots of information there, and they can also link to my schedule uh, if they look under my name as a instructor, Lucia Jacob. Excellent. Beautiful. Excellent. Oh, thank you so much. This is delightful. Um, so would you like um, to give uh, an email address, or do you just want to send them to your website? They'll contact you there. Uh, we can certainly give them an email address, and okay. they'll also find it on both websites. And okay. my email address is three 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 full circle at gmail dot com. Three 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 full circle at gmail dot com. Yeah, and wow. um, you got to okay. know that I'm pretty busy, so I've got a colleague that's starting to work with me, okay. and I'd like to share her email address. I think you have it there. It's Carrie Lessick. Uh, it yes. emails and does sessions for me when I'm on the road. Right. It's K-L-E-S-I-C-K at gmail.com. Excellent. Excellent. Perfect. Oh, man, I have had so much fun. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lucia. Thank you for the amazing work that you're doing, um, the healing work, the connecting work, the the uh, energy resonance and the healing work. Uh, it's just yeah. so brilliant. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us. Well, today. thank you, Val. And you got to know, I consider myself truly blessed. <laughs> yes, yes, and, as you um, are. Yes, I love sharing it around the world. Uh, the busy schedule, but if anybody is looking for uh, workshops or body talk mm -hmm. classes, mm -hmm. if they're interested, um, if they can bring a group of people together or conferences, I also do speaking engagements. They Good. can also get a hold of me through those contact numbers. Awesome. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and let's call it uh, calling into it for the moment, and I hope that we can catch up again and do some more. Thank you, Val, and you know, I, I'd like to finish with a gratitude for you and what you're doing, the awareness you're bringing to the world, uh -huh. and I know the dedication that it takes, so the animals and me would like to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Ah, uh, Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. You touched me, thank you. Right on. Okay. Lots of love, darling. <laughs> Talk to you later. Thanks, Lucia. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, go to valhart.com forward slash blog. And if you're someone who values a non-invasive, holistic solution to resolving problems with your dogs, cats, and horses, 
and you want better behaved, healthier, and happier animals. Just go to my website at valhart.com to apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And be sure and remember to look for my CDs on iTunes. Learning how to talk with animals is fun and will change your life. So while you're there at my site, get my free Quick Start Animal Talk course and check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system. May the love of animals bless you, teach you, inspire you, heal you and reconnect you to the circle of life.